Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, those two Bible readings that we've had uh, both tell us what we're here for and tell us who you are and why you matter. And we pray that uh, we will hear from you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our first reading today from uh, Psalm 95 is written into the fabric of the Church of England. It used to be said every day in morning prayer, as part of the, under the Book of Common Prayer, and indeed in the alternative service book that followed it, uh, it was there. And uh, I mean, it sometimes was referred to by his first couple of words, Venite exultamus in Latin, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, and so on, it goes on. And uh, we're going to be thinking a little bit about that today. Nowadays, with common worship, there are more options of what can be read at morning prayer, but that's still one of the options when you see Axel Tamus. That's what we're there for, to praise God. So I want to start with this psalm, and it's um, coming back to it, where John read for us, it's on page 693 of the Church Bibles. Uh, and you might want to have your finger also in page 1232 that Mary read for us from uh, John 4, because we're going to go on to that, the woman at the well. Psalm 95, as... Um, can we flip on, Charles? Um, uh, yeah. as, as I said with the children, really, then Psalm 95 tells us what we're here for, tells us what church services are for, why we gather on a Sunday morning. I'll remind you. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Verse 1. Verse 2. Come, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and songs. Have you ever wondered why it is that most Sunday services are like they are and include plenty of songs? There's the answer. You need look no further than Psalm 95 to hear that brief of what we're here for. And then it goes on to the importance of hearing and studying God's word and so on. But uh, it doesn't just tell us about gatherings of believers. It tells us a few things about God himself. So let's look at some of those. Verse 3 and into 4a, top left, tells us, For the, for the, um, for the Lord our God is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. That's the lowest place on planet Earth. That's the Dead Sea in the top left. That's as low as we get. That's the depths of the Earth. Not the depths of the sea, but the de lowest point of the Earth. And obviously in the top right, many of you, that's the highest point. That's Mount, Mount Everest. Uh, and he's the God of both of those. Uh, the second half of verse 4 says, the mountain peaks belong to him. So we sometimes think, oh, well, there's the Nepalese side, you can climb it from there, or you can climb it from the Chinese side. Actually, it belongs to God, and yeah, it's his. The sea is his, for he made it, verse 5. Uh, so we got 
we've got some sea there. We're very privileged to live by the sea here. And just good reminders, whether it's calm or whether it's raging, that it's God's. He made it. And his hands formed the dry land. It says we sometimes talk about England's green and pleasant land, don't we? Well, there's a little bit of it in the bottom right. That's God's too. He made it. Uh, it's something to give him credit for. Psalm 95 that tells us all that about him. And with that in mind, then it goes on and it tells us in verse 6 how, how it is that we should approach God. We are, what does it say? It says, come let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. This picture, I suppose, is a combination of the two of those. The man is bowing down and also kneeling on one knee. It, this, it wraps up something about how we should approach God with uh, due humility, reminding ourselves that he's God and we're not. Uh, one of the things, many, many of the mistakes that we make in life begin actually with the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Uh, but actually sometimes we put other things before him and so that's a first commandment issue. Psalm 95 doesn't stop there. It spells out how we relate to God. Look at verse 7. He is our God and we're the sheep of his pasture, the flock under his care. Look at the sheep in that picture. Some are old, some are young. Some are standing, some are lying down. Lots of variety in the sheep. But the shepherd is watching over them all. And he's caring for them all. That's how God is with us. We're prone to wander. Like um, well, at the Lent course on, on Thursday evening, we were thinking about the parable of the lost sheep. And we're prone to, prone to wander like he did, do it, going, going to all the wrong places and so on. But he's a good shepherd who will win us back and bring us on his shoulders uh, back home. Uh, I, I've, I've got that image of the, the sheep wriggling and making itself with the, with the shepherd, probably with his hands around, around, the, around the sheep's fore and hind legs and the sheep wriggling around a bit, trying to, trying to get away. But actually, that's kind of how we are with God. He's the good shepherd. He's looking after us. He might not feel comfortable at the time. Uh, and we might try and wriggle away or wander away. But he is the good shepherd and he's bringing us home. Read on. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Massa and Meribah and so on. Massa and Meribah were two places in the desert uh, in Sinai on the way out of Egypt. So uh, after the exodus, when the people had escaped uh, from, uh, from Egypt through the Red Sea and so on, then uh, there's a cautionary tale here. Don't be like they were in Massa and Meribah because those, those two words mean quarreling and testing. And those are places where the people of Israel grumbled about the desert that Moses had brought them into. There's a lot of things we moan about, don't we? We're, uh, many of us are British, 
and it kind of goes with the territory, moaning about the weather. You know, it's too hot or it's too cold or it's too wet or it's too dry or it's too something. Um, there's always something to moan about. And that's before we get onto subjects like coronavirus and so on. But there's lots of moaning goes on. Psalm 95 says, don't be like that. Hear God's voice today. Uh, it, it, it says we should hear his voice. As we look at the scriptures, then what we want to do is hear his voice in the middle of those. And that, of course, is the back, that's from our Old Testament reading. That's the background that we carry into our second reading, the woman at the well in John 4. So you might want to flip over to page uh, 1232. It's just one chapter on from last week. We were looking at John 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. And today we're one, we've flipped over one page and we're looking at John 4, the woman at the well. She's gone to the well, of course, at lunchtime in the sixth hour, uh, starting the first hour is, you know, first thing in the morning when the sun comes up. So the sixth hour is the middle of the day when it's hottest. And that's not when respectable people went to the well. Uh, they did that first thing in the morning when it was nice and cool. And uh, by, by her being there in the middle of the day, she's probably avoiding other people. But she meets Jesus there. Jesus and the woman at the well have a very interesting conversation. The first part of it is quite like that conversation we looked at last week between Jesus and Nicodemus uh, in the previous chapter. Jesus is talking about inner truths, saying things like he is the living water. But the woman is taking him literally at first and getting confused as she goes along. The interesting thing is the way Jesus cuts through her confusion. And he does that, actually, by referring to her husband. And she admits that she hasn't got one. Incidentally, admitting in her admission, then uh, we see some evidence of some honest reflection going on in her about her own life. That is what Lent is for. We should be reflecting on our own lives and where we are before God. Anyway, in that context, Jesus shows that he knows all about her, her past and her present. She's had five husbands, and she's, her boyfriend at the moment isn't her husband, so she's probably working on number six. Um, and it's at this point when Jesus shows that he knows all of this that uh, she realizes that Jesus is special. In verse 19, look, she realizes, uh, first of all, she says he's a prophet, and then the conversation goes on a little bit further, and then in verse 25, 26, uh, she realizes that he's more than a prophet. Uh, he is the Messiah himself. All of that is true. They have an interesting conversation, about, partly about where to worship and, and I have lots of conversations with people along the lines of um, whether they worship at St. John's or St. Elsewhere or whatever else. Um, but actually, Jesus makes the point 
that real worship, in verse 23, is not about worshipping on this mountain or that mountain or in one place rather than another place. It's about how we worship. We should worship in spirit and in truth, having a real encounter with the living God. And she realises at this point who, the fullness of who he is. And then she doesn't keep this to herself. No, actually, we, we could, could uh, I, I, I'm sure we'll refer to this at the length course this week. She doesn't keep this good news to herself. She wants to share it. Her impulse straight away is to share it with other people. And so she goes back to her hometown uh, and uh, she says this. Actually, did you notice that she left her water jar? She didn't even do what she, she didn't even do what she'd come to do, which was to get get water. She left her water jar. She realised this was more important, and she went back to her people and said, "Come and see, come and see." Someone who told me all I ever did. The woman who discovers Jesus becomes an evangelist, carrying the good news. And she goes back to her people and says, come and see. And she invites people to come and meet Jesus. And they do. And many believe. Indeed, some of them go on and say, we don't just believe any longer because of what you said. Uh, but now we've found out for ourselves. But actually, that's kind of what an evangelist wants people to do. Paul is like that in, in a couple of his letters. He basically saying, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Jesus really is risen. Jesus really is Lord. And so on. And there's real impact of the way she is with uh, the people, inviting them to come and see. So I want to end with this. The words on the screen are real lives. Because real lives is the name we're giving to our mission weekend in October with uh, evangelist Glenn, Glenn Scrivener from Speak Life. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to do what the Samaritan woman did. Invite our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues to come and see, come and hear the good news of Jesus. Over that weekend, there'll be uh, five opportunities uh, to, uh, to find out about the real Jesus Something for those who are older. There'll be uh, a tea that Glenn will speak at and on the Saturday afternoon. Something uh, for those who are younger and their families. Uh, we're going to have a messy breakfast on the, uh, the Saturday morning. And there'll be some evening meetings. Um, Glenn interviewing a Christian up here. And uh, then building on that to share something of the wonderful good news of Jesus. And finally, to round off the weekend, then Glenn's going to preach here on the Sunday morning. My hope and prayer is that all this, and indeed the ongoing ministry of St. John's Church, some people will end up uh, like the, uh, the, the neighbours and, and so on of the woman at the well, saying something like, verse 42, I'll read it. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world.
That's what they said, and that's what we want people around us to say too. With that in mind, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these uh, Lent readings that we've looked at this morning. Thank you that uh, they wrap up something of both what we should be here for and indeed the good news that we have to share more widely uh, with people around us, just like this woman did. Lord, we're sorry for the times when we've kept things to ourselves when we should share them. We pray, please, that you will help us to be your evangelists like this woman was, sharing your good news with our needy world. In Jesus' name. Amen.